Welcome back to the MMA Origin Stories podcast. I'm joined in this episode by combat sports official Andrew Nichols. And to play us into this episode, as usual, my good friend Lewis Clay. Andy, how are you, my mate? You're right. I'm very good, Mike. How are you? Oh, tickety boo, mate. Tickety boo. Now the kids are in bed. I'm even better. So it's uh, it's. Oh, I've all got good the kids me. for the weekend, so I'm even better than that. <laughs> <laughs> and if anyone sees Andy out in Reading on the on the disco dance floor, you know, uh, yeah, you, you know he's out for the whole weekend. So, I think uh, my disco days are done, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> So for anybody that doesn't know Andy, um, combat sports referee, been around for been around the block now for a couple of years, um, and uh, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna dive straight into it as we normally do. So Andy, thank you very much. Uh, where so so for you, so for you yourself, Andy, obviously by your accent, you may you may or may not be from the northeast of of England itself. So, so take us back. Take us back to the good old days when you was, uh, when you was, when when you was hanging around. Uh, I dare I say it for anybody that's got the memory like I have or the age. When you was hanging around Biker Grove, Andy, what was uh, what was it like? <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, but yeah. So take us back, mate. Take us back. Where did it all begin? Yeah. So obviously, I'm a uh, 41 now. So back when I was a kid, was the 80s um, yeah. before mobile phones and technology. So I spent most of my younger years. Um, out and about on the streets, causing mischief um, yeah. with me BMX, with me mates, and kicking balls against garages that I wasn't supposed to kick balls against, um, and generally just getting into trouble, like most yeah. young lads do. Uh, so let me stop you just quickly, Andy. So this this is going to take a lot of people back. I know you've said you're from the 80s before mobile phones. What BMX did you have? Oh, I couldn't tell you, but it was a nice one. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I had one of them. I had one of them single discs on the back, so when you skidded it around the corner, all the dust went flying. Ah, uh, right, fair enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I remember what you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> myself, myself. I was because uh, because we was from the the rough side of the tracks. Um, I, I had a rally burner. That's what I had. Oh, nice. I had a rally burner. Yeah, 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 yeah. My mates had some mongooses and and GTs, but yeah, I was a rally burner boy myself. But sorry, mate. So yeah, so. Being a little, being a little sod, essentially running around the yeah, streets. Yeah, I, I mean, I wasn't there by myself in the northeast. I think most young lads in the northeast are a bit like that. Um, I was actually brought up in Gateshead, um, in a little okay. mining town um, between Gateshead and Washington, in the northeast. Um, so I had all the fields and the quarry to go and mess around in, and the machinery to climb on. I wasn't supposed to climb on. Yeah. Um, and messing around on motorbikes on fields. 
um, yeah. and getting into general trouble. Um, but I didn't really, I was into sports, mainly football, really, um, yeah. until I was about eight or nine. Um, and I used to get shipped off to my grandparents, um, either my granddads or my nanas, um, pretty much every Friday. So my mum and dad could go out in the lash. Yeah. And when I was there, I would get to sit and watch TV and movies and other things I'm not supposed to watch yet. So yeah. that's when I really started to watch things like martial arts. The old Chinese movies where they all used to have different techniques, like the crane, the snake, and all that yeah, kind of side yeah, of stuff. Yeah. Um, me and my cousins used to replicate it and try and fight each other. We'd both pick a technique. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and try and have a go at each other and see who wins. Um, then obviously all the things are you're probably going to find repeated over and over again um, yeah. with other officials that are on. Um, obviously Jackie Chan movies, um, yeah. Bruce Lee movies, all that kind of side of stuff. Yeah. Steven Seagal's. I used to love the Rocky movies when they were yeah. out. I used to just yeah, love the yeah. training montage. If I just watched the last 20, 30 minutes of it when he gets trained up and he goes and fights. Yeah. That was the bit I liked, you know. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd just get through the boring storyline at the first just to yeah. get the, the training <laughs> montage at the end, you know. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. And then lastly, the martial art movies like your John Claude Van Damme's, Kickboxer, yeah. Bloodsport, all that kind of side of stuff. Again, same kind of thing. It was, it was Rocky, but in kickboxing. Yeah. It was the same kind of movie. You didn't yeah. have to have any kind of brain cells to watch it, but it was fantastically shot and it was all the moves, all that kind of stuff. It was glamorous, yeah. you know, it looked yeah, fantastic yeah. on the screen. King of the Kickboxer um, and and all of those sort of American Ninja. And you'd have best all of the of that best, sort of American Ninja, yeah. yeah, all of it, yeah, yeah, all like all the the old B movies, I suppose you call them now. The little yeah. B movies, the way big Hollywood blockbuster movies, but they were always on on a. Um, either late on a night or um, a Sunday afternoon on BBC yeah. Two or something like that they'll be on. <laughs> yeah, and then obviously for our sort of generation as well, Andy, because I'm, I'm, I'm a similar age to you, we we had the likes of Power Rangers and that. So on the on the on the Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday afternoon, we'd have the the B movies, and then the weekday mornings or or, or the Saturday mornings for anybody who remembers like Saturday Morning Cartoon Club or something like that. You'd have the Power Rangers, Ninja Turtles, and and it was very. I think the 80s and 90s, especially the late 80s, early 90s, was very much focused on the kids in, in martial art films as well. So, it is, mm. yeah, we, we were we were lucky. The golden generation, I'd like to call it us. Was a really, yeah. It was a really genera- golden generation for martial art movies. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, you get the odd one comes through now, but or you may get a Matrix or a John Wick where something's happening in the movie now. Yeah. Um, but then was solely just based on the martial arts and the concept of the martial arts and uh, the self-control and all that. It was, there was stories to it in terms of morality as well as the fight in itself, you know. Um, yeah. You could pick, take away from it. Yeah. Um, but I didn't really get involved into actual martial arts itself until I was about nine or ten. Yeah. Um, okay. I think it was about push ten, actually. I think I'd just been a comprehensive for a school visit. I was going from a little local primary school of 30 kids I grew up with since I was five in nursery yeah. into this large comprehensive um, that was kids from all of the different areas, uh, some quite rough and ready. Yeah. Um, and I thought it'd be a good idea just to learn a bit of self-defense, you know, because I'm going from a rightly tight friendship group into a, a, a year group of 200 kids I've never met before. Yeah. Um, I thought I should really need to know how to defend myself somehow, you know, um, and play wrestling and pretending I'm a WWF wrestler <laughs> on the field would be mates <laughs> under an yeah. old mattress. Isn't yeah. exactly the same as defending yourself uh, when you have to do it, you know? So yeah. I thought, wonder what I like to do. At the time my sister was doing karate. 
Um, I had a couple of my friends were doing a bit of boxing. Um, but for me, it was always kickboxing when I was younger. Um, yeah. I think it was the John Claude Van Damme movie when he's doing the splits and he's doing all his moves or between the two chairs. Yeah. All that yeah, kind yeah. of style of stuff. I thought, oh, I'd love to do that. You know, I was never flexible enough ever in my life ever to do that. Yeah. I tried a lot to be able to get that flexible to do it. Um, I just, that was the one for me. So I spoke to my dad about it. And I said, look, could, could you find somewhere for us to do kickboxing? He says, yeah, I'll have a look. Um, yeah. And he came, I'll find you somewhere. He says, you can go on a Tuesday, a Thursday and a Saturday morning. Yeah. After school and on a Saturday after I finished football. Yeah. Um, so he booked it in for us. It was a place called um, Thai Sudo. It was in Bensham in Gaysett. Okay. Um, and it was taught by a guy called Rob Arek, who was a fifth dan black belt um, in kickboxing. Yeah. Bit of a hard nutter, to be fair, looking back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was quite rough and ready. Um, yeah. But he was a very good teacher, you know. Um, and I started there in the teen club. So I was just a white belt, turned up there. Didn't know what I was doing. Could barely kick above my waist height. But um, I loved the physicality of it because I'd always been so physical and doing other sports, messing around with yeah. me mates, so all that kind of size stuff. Um, for me, it was just the only thing I took a bit of time was getting your flexibility up um, and learning to calm down and be able to yeah. control yourself. I was too eager. And that's something martial arts teaches you over a period of time is to be able to control yourself and yeah. control the aggression. You know, it's not just, it's not the wild west. You can't just go, you've got to think about it and plan and set things up. And um, I really did learn to control me. So it probably got me out of a lot of fights, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Being yeah. able to actually hold back and think, oh, no, no, hold on. I can get out of this without after a revolt to that. Yeah. But if I needed to do it, I could, you know, um, I could yeah. defend myself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, quite often they say it's, it's just one of the tools. It's one of the many tools in your arsenal. If you can't, mm. like you see a lot of the martial art teachers now or, or a lot of the guys online when they're talking about it, they're always talking about if you can diffuse it first, that's the first tool you bring out. First tool you bring out is, is diffusing the situation. If you Use can't diffuse it, yeah, if you can't Use your brain, diffuse not your it. Fists. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And if you can't diffuse it, remember that, um, that, that, you, you strike hard and strike first. So you, you, it's the Cobra not, Kai not, method. Not, <laughs> not too hard. <laughs> you, you strike. <laughs> you strike you don't with end up, uh, force. You, just, yeah, yeah. you don't end up uh, in trouble with the police and hit them too hard. Yeah, but yeah, yeah just yeah, enough to get you out of the situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but, I just didn't want. I fell in love with it, uh, that, that after that first class. Um, yeah. I was there I, every session. I didn't miss a session. Um, I flew through the first few belts. Um, it was different back in them days because when you sparred, you actually sparred as a kid. Yeah. Um, there was no head guards. It was probably 90% power, something like yeah. that all the time. Um, probably one of the reasons I've got such a hard head now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is it was a bit intense sparring back in them days. It wasn't like the kid it is today, obviously concussion. We're a bit more educated in terms of yeah. what that impact has, has on your brain, taking them kind of shots all the time. Back then you just threw in and you got on with it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying it's the good thing. A good thing that we used to do it that way because it's not, mostly we've learned over the years that it's not a good thing. And obviously, there's protection in place now with kids in terms of contact and head guards and yeah. head spikes to head, all that kind of stuff in younger tournaments. Uh, but back then, they just let you go for it, um, yeah. which I was all for, to be honest. It was right up my street as a kid. Um, yeah. And like I said, I flew through the grades. By the time I got through to about 12, um, 
I was getting a bit too big for the team class because yeah. I've been about this size height-wise since I was about 13, 14. I got to stop uh, okay. going. I used to be one of the bigger guys and then everyone yeah. else just shot up above us because I'm only yeah. five foot nine. I sort of stayed, I got to five foot nine early and stayed there. <laughs> <laughs> five foot nine, size 10 shoes. Yeah, and then, and then just stopped. Right. Yeah. I just yeah. stopped there. I filled out a little bit, but I didn't get any taller, you know. Yeah. Um, and so the instructor said that you can't spar with the kids, the teens anymore because you're getting yeah. too big, you're getting too strong. Uh, we're going to put you in the adults class. Um, yeah. So from 13 uh, onwards, I was in the adults class, um, and that was a real shock to me system. Yeah. Uh, going from fighting people about my age, maybe a bit smaller, um, to fully grown men, black belts, all that kind of side of stuff. Um, and again, back in the 90s, uh, contact was quite full on. <laughs> I remember yeah. the first class I went in with the adults, you know, and I was, I was sparring at the end. And one of the black belts, he just gave us a big right hand and he landed directly on my nose. And my nose, blood went everywhere. Yeah. And I came off. My dad says, You're right. Because he still was sitting watching the classes that age. He says, You're right. He says, Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm all right. To wipe my nose, so I went off. Came back the next class, no spawn. I guess I'm going to get you this time. <laughs> I give him one back. Yeah. <laughs> popped his nose, popped his lip. Um, when he came off, he, uh, he said to me, Dad, he says, oh, Jürgen was going on a bit hard today, wasn't he? He says, bit hard. He says, he nearly broke his nose last week. Yeah. <laughs> it, was <his> first... <laughs> it was his first class. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But I enjoyed it and I flew through. I got my black belt in kickboxing. Um, I had 16 fights um, within all the clubs in the area. Yeah. Uh, I won 15. I lost one. Um, so I was doing really well at it and I was enjoying it. Um, and I was doing that on top of other stuff I was doing. So I was playing for yeah. four different football teams at the time. I played for the school, Saturday League, Sunday League, and for the county. And yeah. I kickboxed. So wow. it was pretty much taking up all my time in terms yeah. of me weekly, other than trying to find time to see me friends, all that kind of side of stuff in school. Yeah. Um, and then when I was 14 and a half, nearly 15, I had an accident with my eye. I got stabbed in the eye. Oh, wow. Um, and I had to obviously stop fighting, uh, doing the kickboxing when I got stabbed in the eye. Um, yeah. I had stitches on the front and the back of yeah. the eye. Um, luckily, it went through the white part of the eye on the bottom. Yeah. And not the actual uh, coloured part of the eye. So, the so, so was it, did someone intentionally try to stab you then, or was it just an no, accident? No, it was just oh, an right. accident. Me and my mates messing around there. My friend was at the park <laughs> having a few beers with me mates. <laughs> My mate accidentally <laughs> stabbed me in the eye. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, he, had a, he had a kitchen knife. I don't know why he had a kitchen knife. And I, I yeah. grabbed it. And he tried to grab it off. As when I pulled back, he let go of my hand and it went. And it yeah. shot up. And it went. Luckily, I pulled my head back. And it went yeah. in the bottom of my eye. I said, luckily, but it still went in my eye. Yeah. Um, but I, from that point on, obviously, I couldn't get punched in the head. Yeah, at that point, because yeah, yeah. it was obviously just stitched up. I think it was big for two or three months. I couldn't even um, walk other than a walk. I couldn't run or jog or anything like that. Yeah. So all my sports got put in hold for like a year or two. Yeah. Um, just because I was letting my eye heal and all that kind of size stuff. And eventually the doctor said I was good enough to go back and do football. So yeah. I wasn't allowed to do that because I couldn't head at the ball. Yeah. Um, and then when I was about 16, they said I could go back and start doing something. Yeah. As long as it's not too impactful, then eventually they cleared us that it was fine and I'll be able to be all right with it. Um, but luckily, I, I was quite lucky. I mean, when I first did it with my eye, they, they said I had a 90% chance of losing my eye when I did it. Wow. I had the operation. So I clearly had a glass eye. Yeah. Um, so I took the 10%, which I'm very. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Focus on that 10%, Anne. I'll focus on that 10%, yeah. yeah. But I was very fortunate. I got all my vision back, all that kind of stuff. I just took time for it to heal yeah. and all that kind yeah, of yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, then I sort of lost track of martial arts when I got to about 18. Yeah. Yeah, after I was a young lad. I was just starting to work, all that kind of side of stuff. And I wanted to concentrate on my career. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have time for it, really. So I sort of went away from martial arts for a long time. Um, obviously, I'd watch it. I'd watch UFCs and all that kind of stuff on the VHS cassettes when they were going around, um, or boxing when it was on the TV, all that kind of side of stuff. But um, I just concentrated on my career until probably I was my late 20s. Yeah. Um, and then one day I was had the young and I had my daughter by that day. So I was about 28 and I was in the metro centre in Gateshead. And the, the wife at the time was, she was out shopping. I thought I'd just take the young in into Next um, mm. and I'd get myself a pair of jeans. So I went to Next and I got a pair of 34-inch waist jeans and I tried to get them on and I couldn't get them on. I thought, yeah. on. So I took them off and I got a pair of 36-inch waists. I put them on, still couldn't get them on. I got 38, so I pulled them on, I couldn't get them on. I was like, I went, wow. to, the woman in the sh- I went to the woman in the shop, I said, I can I get in at these? Said, what should I do? She goes, well, if you can't get to them, the only option available for you is a walk down to Primark. Yeah. <laughs> I did the walk of shame down to yeah. Primark. <laughs> And got myself a pair of bigger pants. Um, yeah. And I thought at that point, it's because I was spending, I'm, I have got a similar job as what you've got. So I'm out yeah. on the road all the time. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm entertaining guests and clients. I take them out for meals. So I was having a curry two or three nights a week with beers. Um, and then you're eating in garages because you're out all yeah. the time. And it, it just, you don't realize it, but over a period of time, you put a lot of weight on, you know, if you're not doing anything or exercising. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that that was it for me. When I, when, I, when, I, when I'd experienced that and I couldn't get in these pair of pants, I thought I'm going to have to do something about this because I'm clearly not healthy. I'm not looking after myself. Yeah. I used to be really healthy. I looked after myself. Well, especially um, so playing football for four teams, kickboxing and, and everything else. I was really else. active. Yeah. I was really yeah, active yeah. as a kid. Um, so I just started looking around. I started just doing some jogging to start off with just to get a bit of fitness. So I thought I'd go for a three-mile run a day. I'll see how far I can get, and I'll put my shorts and stuff on, and I ran to the end of the street, and I was breathing up my arse. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked back home. Yeah. <laughs> I thought, I'm really out of shape. Yeah. Uh, so over a period of, like, two years, um, I started going to the gym, I started to get a bit more in shape, lose my weight, get myself a bit more into fitness and looking after myself a bit better. Yeah. Um, and then I moved down back down. I moved down south. My ex-wife's from down south, yeah. so we moved back down to Redden. Um, and when I got to Redden, I thought I want to find a, a, a gym where I can go and train, just to hit some pads or something like that. Like I used to do yeah. the kickboxing because I really enjoyed it. Um, so I looked around on the websites trying to find something locally, um, and I found an MMA gym in Redden called Gods of War. Yeah, um, which was run by uh, the head coach uh, Phil Ells, who was a professional MMA fighter. And I just rang him. I said, "Can I come down and just do some of the pub classes?" He says, "Yeah, yeah, by all means, come down, try it out." You know. Um, yeah. So I started doing that like two or three times a week, just going down, hitting the pads, getting some flexibility back. I started doing some hoop kicks. I was like, "Oh, I'm getting yeah. back into this." Um, and then. After the class, I just noticed, like, after the pad class, they were doing other stuff. They were starting to do, like, the no-gay stuff. They were starting yeah. to do wrestling classes. Obviously, because it was an MMA gym. Um, and i never done anything like that before, other than messing around with my mates with the wrestling when I was, when I was yeah. a kid. You know, I was always kickboxing stand-up for me. And I thought, wow, well, that looks quite interesting what they're doing. I said, I wouldn't mind having a go. 
It's yeah. not like I'm going to yeah. get hit in the head or anything. I didn't do the grappling bit. You know what I mean? It doesn't look that odd, surely. Yeah. I can throw that. I can throw that. I can throw that little lad around. Yeah. <laughs> Famous last words, Andy. Famous, Famous last, last words. words. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first time I rolled with him, he wrapped me in two and made an yeah. S out of me and just tied the nut. Um, <laughs> I'm breathing out my ass. I couldn't do anything about it. I felt so helpless. You know what I mean? I was just lying there and he was just doing what he wanted to me. Absolutely yeah. just doing what he wanted to me. Um, and I just loved it from that point because it was so technical, you know. It was uh, there was like yeah. four or five different things you just got to do just to get one move on. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, uh, yeah, yeah. It was a, to me, it felt a lot more technical than the stand up because the stand up yeah. I was used to. Maybe so I was just used to it. Um, but the grappling there was so much involved, and there were so many different variations of moves, and then there were so many counters to moves, and there were so many different positions you could be in. Um, and then when you start mixing that in with the actual stand-up itself and the wrestling yeah. and all the other but it started to be like there's so many different aspects to it. It's just every class is different. Every class you learn something new. Um, you can go back over things in two or three years' time and you're still picking up new bits about the techniques, even yeah. it doesn't matter how long you've been doing them. And uh, I really fell in love with it from that point, really. Yeah. Um, I trained just religiously. In fact, the wife used to tell us off. So I was yeah. in the gym a bit too much for someone yeah, who doesn't yeah. really fight or anything. I was just doing it for the fun of it. Yeah. Um, but I got to the point I was going to the gym at six o'clock and I'll be training till nine. So I'd just do three sessions and then yeah. come back home and then go to sleep, go to work, go to the gym, three sessions, go back yeah. home, go to sleep. Um, and I got in really good shape. I started like, looking after myself, eating right. My diet got better because I didn't want to get beat up by the young kids in the gym who eating yeah. right and they're fighting and all that kind of side of stuff. So well, not only that, but they they can keep eating all that old shit and still and still be in good yeah. nick. Whereas whereas approaching thirty or around thirty years old, you you, yeah. you start to lose it. You start to to go down the other side where you got to you got to start looking at your diet. So. I do yeah, you got to start looking at it. Yeah, so I got in a pretty good shape. Um, and then I decided I'd do some interclubs. So I did a few interclubs just to try that out to see how I got on. I did quite yeah. well in the interclubs. Um, and then the courses we do, we want to do like an amateur fight. I says, well, yeah, I wouldn't mind trying an amateur fight and test myself. Uh, so we, um, uh, it was the amateur MMA uh, fighting championships uh, that Mark Goddard used to do up in uh, Wolverhampton for his course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 2012. 12, I think it was 2012. Um, I got matched with a guy um, there, one of Mark's lads, actually, a guy called James Dixon. Yeah. Um, it's middleweight. Yeah. So it was more or less the way I was walking around that. It was the same day we in, so it was perfect. I didn't have to lose any weight. I didn't have to do any diet or anything like that. Yeah. I just yeah, turn yeah. up on the day and, and have me fight, then uh, get out. Um, and I love the experience of the day, all that kind of side stuff. The fight didn't go my way. I lost the fight. No. No, um, James was an absolute beast. In fact, I bumped into him um, a few years back at his show, um, and he's even bigger now because he doesn't fight anymore, so he's not dying yeah. or anything like that. He's uh, six foot three, he's huge. Um, he's a lovely bloke, actually. I was chatting him for quite a long time at the show, just having a bit of yeah. a catch up where he is. Um, but yeah, he was a bit of a beast. He was a light uh, a heavyweight dropping down a bit of weight for the first time, um, mm -hmm. and um, he had a bit more experience than me. Um, and he was a bit bigger, a bit stronger. Uh, but I enjoyed it. I lost fair and square. I can't knock it. Uh, he was a good lad, a good fighter. Um, yeah. I take that one on the chin. He was just better than me, you know. Um, yeah. But I enjoyed it. I mean, I walked. We had two black eyes. And other than that, yeah. I was fine, you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> just two black eyes, mum. That's all it was. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. I got a couple of black eyes. It wasn't too bad. Uh, but the experience of the day and all that kind of stuff, it was fantastic, you know. Um, yeah. Well run. We got looked after well. Um, and I went away from that and I ended off having um, some problems with my right shoulder when I was training. Um, I rolled stupidly. I, was, I got, got it yanked when I was training um, in the gym one day and it felt fine. And I just left it for a while and rehabbed it. But every time I was lifting my shoulder high, it was hurting. So I went and got it checked out. Um, and the doctor came back and told us I'd have an operation on it. Yeah. Um, so I'd have an operation on my shoulder. And I got knocked out. I walked back up and I looked at the sides and the doctor's standing over us. Um, and then I goes, is it all right? And the doctor was standing at the side of the bed. He went, no. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't oh, all right. <laughs> Which is never a good sign. If you're yeah. ever in hospital and you wake up, the doctor's sitting next to you, shaking his head, tutting at you. Yeah. Um, but my labrum was ripped off my shoulder uh, from oh, wow. 12 o'clock till nine. It was only yeah. hanging on by a, a, a tiny bit. So you had to put eight pins in there and, and pin mm-hmm. my shoulder back in. So I had to spend about nine months uh, rehabbing it. I couldn't move it. I had to get all my movement back and strengthening it, all that kind of yeah. stuff. So I had to have about nine months off training altogether. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was itching to get back and I was doing little bits in the garage, just trying to keep myself in shape, reasonable shape. So I went back. I wasn't starting from the start, yeah. if you like. Um, and then I went back and started training. I'd only been back training five or six weeks. And the coach came over and said, oh, well, there's another show on, um, KO uh, 11, which is yeah. uh, David Lee's show. Uh, yeah, yeah. He says, uh, one of the lads had to pull out, uh, welterweight. I says, right. I said, well, how long's the fight away? He says, oh, it's about five weeks. I says, all right. He says, he says how much are you weigh now? I was oh, about 89 kilos. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Is that, you'll, be, you'll be all right. You get down to 77, you'll be fine. <laughs> the day before we're in. Yeah. Um, so I goes, all right. Well, I had, had a bit extra weight I was carrying because I hadn't been training as, as well as what I had, obviously, because I'd had some time off my shoulder and yeah. stuff. Like so there's some I could get off quite quick, you know. Yeah. Um, but I got the weight off for that. We're in uh, under 77 kilos, 76.2 or something like that in the end. I was quite far under. Um, and then I had a fight on there against a guy from the MMA clinic. Um, yeah. So, um, Chris Olsen, I think his name was. Hey, but I won that one. Yeah. 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 Back, back <laughs> with a bang, Andy. Back with a bang. Yeah, back with a bang. Yeah, I'd only been training about 10 weeks uh, since I came back from my shoulder operation, but um, I've got in pretty good shape. I look good in the pictures anyway. I probably wasn't the yeah. healthiest in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And that was like November time. Um, and then I had a bit of time before Christmas and I came back and started going to the gym. Um, but then when I came back after the gym, I, was, one of, I think it was my coach's wife had posted, shared something Mark Goddard had shared yeah. um, on the line about his MMA training course for referees mm-hmm. and judges um, and recommended someone do it. And I wasn't doing anything in the January. I thought, well, if I'm going to have another fight, I would like to know a little bit more about the rules because I'm, I'm fighting and I should really know what the, yeah. Hell the rules are. Yeah, All yeah. Of them. Um, and I thought it'd be good to meet Mark um, and see him. And obviously, he's UFC, he's on the TV all the time, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So I thought it'd be a good experience, if anything, just to meet Mark and hear some stories and stuff like that, you know. Um, so I booked myself in to do that. And it was in, in Houston, uh, uh, the Angel in London, the MMA clinic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I went down there um, and I got there a bit early because I like to be places early, especially if I'm getting the mm-hmm. train, because you never you know how long it's going to take you to get places. And I got there a bit early. I was sitting in the reception and then the, the guy sat down next to us. He was coming to do the course as well. And he started getting chatterers. And he was, oh, I used to be a K1 fighter, blah, blah, blah. I've just come to learn the rules. And I said, I've done a few MMA fights, amateur. 
just want to learn the rules. Um, that was actually Chris Batchel, though. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, funny he... you should say that then, Andy, because I was at that course as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 mate. I, when you yeah. started saying about it, I was it, it was an angel. It was yeah. it was MMA clinic. Yeah, yeah. So because um, uh, Dan and Jackie were there as well. That's and, right. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a small world, isn't it? Um, yeah. It's amazing how many people came off Mark Goddard's little um, referee and um, judging training courses he used to do um, yeah. back in the day because there was nothing else to go to other than that. You know, that was yeah. the only place to go. And most of the shows yeah. would use that as. Have you done the Mark Goddard training course? To yeah. do, or they wouldn't even look at you. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I wasn't I wasn't doing it for that because I just wanted to learn the rules because I was planning on fighting again. I had no intention of refereeing at that point. Yeah. Um, but then you meet everybody there and you say, Oh, there's Dan, or oh, Dan Riff, oh, there's Dan, the Dan Riff, Dan Riff my fight in two months ago. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it, yeah. It'd um, and Chris Bachelor, who I know quite well now, because he refs his shop and all yeah. with me and all that kind of yeah, It's yeah. amazing how we both went to the same course and you went to the same course yeah, and now yeah. we're all on the same shows and we're yeah. working together a bit further down the road, you know. Um, yeah. But I did that uh, course, it was brilliant. I had a lovely day, I met everybody, you get the picture talk, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then we, I went back to the MMA gym to start training again. Um, then I bumped into uh, Ron Frith, yeah. Ron the Bomber. Yeah, bomber um, man. He was, uh, yeah, he started training in our gym at God's because he lived in Redden. Yeah. Um, before he moved back home um, to Ipswich, um, but he lived in Redden and he was doing the ultra white collar boxing event in Redden, and they were training the. Our gym was the gym they were using to do the boxing training yeah. and sparring for the eight week build up before they do the white collar boxing fight for charity for cancer research. Yeah. Um, and Ron was in there. Um, and uh, Catherine, who was uh, Phil's wife, came over and says, uh, oh, Ron's here, he's an MMA referee, but he's been asking Phil to, if you if he would judge a show for him down in Margate yeah. in Kent, it was Killer Cam. Yeah. Fight night. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he says, uh, but Phil can't do it. I says, I know you did the Mark Goddard course the other week. Yeah. I says, maybe he's have a chat with him, maybe you can go down and help him out, you know? Mm-hmm. So I got introduced to Ron then. This is rather Sandy. He works trains at the gym. He's been doing it probably just three or four years by this point, other than the time I had off. Yeah. Um, he says, but he knows the MMA. He says he's done the Mark Goddard course. Maybe he can help you out and maybe do the judging for you. Um, so that's how I first met Ron. Um, yeah. And that was the first show, if you like. I technically mm-hmm. got booked on, but it was just through a passing chance of him being in the gym and mentioning he needed a judge to someone I knew. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, and then I was driving down there and the cops were shared car shared down because he was from Redden, I'm from Redden, but just car yeah. shared down. And we were driving on the way down there uh, and Ron looked over us. He says, Oh, yeah. He says, uh, You ever thought about refereeing? I said, not, not really. I'm just going to come do the judging. He saw if you got your black top and your, your black pants. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, I've got a black top and a black pair of pants because I thought I was going to wear it at the cage side because he told us to yeah. wear black. He says, oh, we'll, we'll see how you feel when you get there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm right, okay, now I'm really nervous. <laughs> I'm driving down to a show I've never refereed before. I've done the Mark yeah. Gordon course a couple of weeks ago. Um, and we got down there and um, we sort of took turns. So he, he, he did all the the, the the main event card and all that kind of side of stuff. So he was an experienced referee. Yeah. More experienced than I yeah, was. Yeah. 
Um, but he let us jump on a few of the, the prelim fights and just have a mm-hmm. go, you know, um, which was uh, very nervous, uh, but also a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, and I didn't find it too stressful, although I sort of knew what was going on and nothing yeah. major happened, which is very important when you first start referencing. Yeah. Nothing, nothing too major happens and then first couple of fights, you can build a bit of confidence up before you have to make any decisions. Um, and then the other time I wasn't refereeing, I was doing the cage door and just doing some judging and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And that was the first show I ever really did, um, refereeing wise. Um, yeah. And then from that point on, I just I loved it. You know, it was a, it was it was close to fighting as you could get without having to get actually fighting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And plus, there was a lot of responsibility there in terms of keeping the fighters safe, um, understand the rules, make sure it's fair. Yeah. Um, which I quite enjoyed as well. Uh, well must be from the the, the, the the job I do in my daytime, because um, obviously you don't get paid enough as a referee regionally yeah. Uh, yeah, to yeah. do it for a career. Yeah. Um, you just do it for the love of it. Um, my day job is I do that kind of stuff, you know, I do that. I'm quite organised like that. Um, yeah. So I didn't find it too stressful having to deal with situations if I have to deal, deal with them, you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and from that point on, I was Ron's, Car buddy, yeah. <laughs> Ron, took, Ron, Ron, Ron took me under his wing, yeah. Um, and I just as and when he would be booked to ref somewhere, so rather than him have to turn up somewhere and ref twenty fights by himself, I would just tag along. Yeah. Um, I think then first probably two years of refereeing, I was mainly I was Ron's second referee. Um, yeah. I was quite happily Ron's second referee. He's a brilliant. He's a brilliant car ride. Yeah, he's got yeah, some yeah. really interesting stories. He's a brilliant fella. Yeah, he's a very good referee as well. Yeah, um, and we just had a ball of the time every time we went somewhere. You know, we had a good time getting there. We'd get there, we'd enjoy the event, we'd enjoy the fights. I'd help him out. Um, and what people, people don't normally realize is when you're that second referee, is a lot of the time you're not getting paid because yeah. they'll pay our referee in local shows a lot of time to hard afford two referees. Yeah. Um, and Ron would occasionally give us something out of his money if he could. Yeah. It depends how much he was getting paid and stuff like that. I'll give us a bit of fuel money. Um, yeah. And you've got to do that to sort of find your feet. And as we are sort, um, over that two year period, it was, um, I was learning. I was getting mm-hmm. free training every time I went there with someone I really like, I really get on with. It's like working with your buddy. It doesn't really matter. I was having a good time, I was doing something yeah. I enjoyed. Um, I got to see some amazing fights over the years when I were going doing it with them. Um, yeah. And if I got paid a little bit of money, that was just a bit of bonus. Yeah. Um, you know, we yeah, thought yeah. It, was, it was he was giving me free training to be yeah. a referee, you know, and get the experience. Um, but then it got to the point where obviously Ron decided to move back to Ipswich. Yeah. So we, we talk about all that if he comes on. Um, and he decided to stop refereeing. Um, so I ended off getting from the second referee. Um, behind Ron um, to move it slightly further forward. So some of the shows I was working as a second referee ended up becoming the first referee for things yeah. like uh, Killer Cam, uh, Ross's show, GPUK up in Stoke. Yeah. Um, I got bummed up a little bit and shock and awe because I was the third referee. I got made the second referee. Yeah. Uh, Rich Mitchell at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got a bit more responsibility. I actually started getting paid, although it's not a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He started getting paid for it. Um, and it was a big eye-opener for me when you went from that point of just being the second referee, because when, when, you, when you're when you the second referee to the, someone else's, your deputy to somebody else, essentially, 
is you feel a bit more confident because you've got someone a bit more experienced than you. Yeah. Uh, there. Yeah, yeah. So if anything happens or you're not too sure, you've got that experience there. And I went from that point of being that person with leaning on that experience to the person other people are leaning on for that experience. Especially um, with Ron as well, because Ron was... Mm. Look, I, I've known Ron for a while, same as same as yourself, maybe not as not as close and personal as, as you and Ron sharing with the car journeys and everything. Mm. But that guy, from an MMA perspective, Ron was a really good ref, yeah. a really nice bloke, such a fair person as well that, that you would, he would give almost anybody the time of day. And he's, even now, I speak to Ron on a semi-regular basis. Uh, he still does a, every once in a while, he'll do the odd show and but he's a brilliant guy. I fucking love him. I love Ron to pieces. I can't say anything higher about him. Great, great guy. And it's a shame. It's a shame someone like him, the the, the situation that he ended up being in with, with, with everything outside of MMA, outside of work, that yeah. he couldn't have carried on because he was a great ref. Ron was a brilliant, great ref, brilliant ref. Really yeah. good ref. Um, and he had a lot of time for him because he was a yeah. really genuine person. Um, yeah outside of the refereeing and all the other side of stuff because he's brilliant at all that anyway. Yeah. Um, I was gutted when he moved away because obviously he was local. He's, yeah. It's nice to have someone like that local to you in terms of yeah. our friendship and all that kind of side of stuff. Um, and I do miss him not being at some of the shows that he used to come to. Still, this day, I mean, he'll tell you himself. I've pestered yeah. him loads of times over the years. So not fancy coming back. You know, fancy coming back. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. obviously, he's got commitments that he's obviously dealing that he, he's got. And he's still, he, he's, takes, he's, he's a- takes ages to drive his tractor yeah. anywhere now as well, doesn't it? Yeah. So he's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's a farm boy out there again. But, uh, but yeah, but he's, I, 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 yeah, I'm, even up to, couple of years ago I'd worked on a few shows with him and he's he's mm. he's brilliant I, I, I love Ron. I remember the first time I met Ron was I was friends with him on Facebook so this is going back God, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to delve into the archives here this was going back to 2013 I think was the the first show I remember working with Ron so yeah. 2013 yeah 2013. I was friends with him on Facebook, but he was on Facebook, Facebook, sorry, as Ron, as Bomber. He wasn't Ron, right. he was Bomber. Yeah. Bon, yeah. Bomber. And uh, so we've messaged back and forth on Facebook. Uh, it was it was on a show called Dynamite Fight Series. Pete Mercer, my, my old uh, kickboxing coach, great guy. And, and me and Pete, we're on this show. And Pete said, do you mind sorting out, um, like communicating with all the officials? So I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. So um I spoke with Dan, uh, Dan Mogahidi would come down for it. Yeah. Um, Ron had come down for it or, or Bomber as he was then. And, um, and another guy, Sven, I don't know if you remember Sven Gordon as well. So, so yeah, there was, yeah. there was the four of us. I can't remember if we had a second referee. I can't remember, but, but all, all the only people I really remember was me, Sven, uh, Ron and Dan. So mm-hmm. I get a phone call. So I'm standing at the show. I'm, I'm standing there. I've, I've Fucking got everything going on all at once because I'm helping Pete organise everything. And um, I get a phone call from a number I don't recognise. I'm like, who the... F-? And, and I'd had random people phoning me all day. I was like, who the fuck has Pete given my number to now? Who is... Hello? He goes, uh, hello, Michael, it's Ron. Who the fuck's Ron? And he goes, well, it's, it's Ron. 
Who the fuck? Is, who's, who's Ron? You can tell me you're Ron all you want, but who's Ron? And he goes, he's Ron. I'm one of the judges. I said, there is no judge called Ron. What are you going on about? And he goes, oh, sorry, he's Bomber. Oh, you're right, Bomber. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I just, I just didn't know his name. I didn't know. Yeah. I'd only ever known him as Bomber. And um, it, it, yeah, just to just, and from that moment onwards, I just got on with him. It was Eleven years. Brilliant nine guy. Years, um, yeah, I yeah. mean, it was him who first got me involved with Shock and All. Um, yeah, they were doing a, a gym or one, mostly with runs Shock yeah. and All. Um, but they were doing an interclub. You saw mm-hmm. me go down and do the interclub, referee yeah. the interclub yourself, and just show that you can do it without anyone all supporting you, if you like. Yeah. Uh, so I went down and refed one of the interclubs for them. Uh, it was in a, it was MMA in a, a ring, which is never ideal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I did all right. I didn't make any cock-ups. Um, and from that point on, they started inviting us to come in just to do cage door. You sort of work your way in. You do the cage yeah. door. You might do the commission. You might do a bit of running. Um, and eventually I got a judging spot. Yeah. <laughs> I, was doing, I, did, I judged a couple of uh, shows. Yeah. Um, then there came an opportunity for us to do a bit of reffing. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a bit of reffing. I just sort of built it from there. I think a lot of people get mistaken. that They think you just come in and you just start doing the reffing. Yeah, and you yeah, don't. Yeah. You come in and you normally you'll do like a commission, or you'll do maybe just start doing the fighter checks at the door. Yeah, I mean all of it's learning. You're learning bits and bits about it while you're doing it in terms of the rules and what they can do, what they can't do, what they can have on them, what they can't have on them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the commission's the same at the back. What what checks do you do? The fingernails, have they got the groin guard, the mouth guard? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah Vaseline, yeah. hair gels, all that kind of yeah. side of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. and then obviously. If you're doing the judging as well, it's good because you're sitting right at the cage and you're watching what the refs are doing and you're watching mm-hmm. what's happening in the fights. So you're learning there as well. I mean, whatever yeah. you're doing, anywhere around MMA, in all the positions, if you're end goal is you want to be a referee, anything you're doing, you're learning all the time, yeah. all the way around yeah, yeah. it. But you do have to start somewhere else. And then gradually, as you get to know people and build a bit of confidence, you might do a couple of interclubs for the gym that's doing that show. And once they're confident that you're capable of going on, then they might give you an opportunity when one arises, you know. Yeah, um, yeah, and and not only that as well, but it gets you it gets you used to the atmosphere there as well. So if you're if you're doing cage door, yeah. or if you slightly different, if you're doing cage door, you're you're the last point of call before that fighter gets in that cage. So you're already seeing them. You're at the cage door itself. You you do your fighter check. You check the fingernails, the gum shield, the groin guard, the toenails. Make sure they have their gloves are fine, and all, all like the final check to make sure the gloves are fine, and um. You just get you just get that experience, and people don't. Yeah. Some people, not not all people, but some people don't understand that they they'll come to you and they'll say, "I've had a few people recently say, I'm oh, like, how do I get into how do I get into refereeing, or how do I get into yeah. how do I get into officiating? I really want to be a judge." And the first question I'll always ask them is, "Why? Why do you want to be? Why do you want to get involved? Because the yeah. first thing you're going to have to do." You're going to have to go out the back and make sure that people aren't drinking Red Bull. You're going to have to go out the back and make sure people aren't smothering themselves in Thai oil or yeah. or something like that. Make sure that mate, he's washed the hair gel out of his hair, or, or yeah. that, that's what you're going to have to do to then progress through. Because if you don't know what it's like, it's 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 like the old age thing, Andy. You know what it's like yeah. um, as a, as a footballing apprentice in the old days. The football apprentice used to clean the boots, sweep up wash the showers out and do whatever mm. before you got to become a footballer. So, and it's the same with MMA. You've got to, you've got to get in at the ground level and you work your way through. You're not going to 
like, and this Mark will say this himself, you're not going to go and pass a Mark Goddard course and the week after go and referee a UFC world title fight. It's not going to happen. It's, it's absolutely not going to happen. So it's, um, I, I'm glad you, you, I'm glad you, you put it across think, like that. Yeah, I think even if you've got 10 years experience on the local scene, jumping straight into where the, like, the likes of Mark Goddard are or Leon yeah. or any one of them like that are at that level, with all the cameras on, millions of people watching you around the world, it's a totally different beast and animal compared to the yeah. regional shows where maybe some of the mates might be watching. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. A, it's a big difference, you know. I mean, I even say that now. I mean, I've been doing it for eight years now. Yeah, and it would yeah, be yeah. a huge jump for me to go from like a regional show to try and go up and do what them guys are doing up there. Um, yeah, it's such yeah, a yeah. big jump. It is a big jump, and there's steps you've got to go. Yeah. to get there and it takes time um, and some people will never do it I mean I'm fully aware of that I've been doing this eight years now and um, yeah. sometimes it feels like you're not really getting anywhere you're just sort of doing what you're doing Yeah. Um, but every time you go to a show you're doing a bit different every show you go to is slightly different different hiccups different problems you go away you speak to the promoter you try and get it fixed Yeah. Um, it's, you're always learning something you know and it's, it's the continuous improvement as well isn't it and, yeah. and learning Learning from your peers. I mean, you had obviously Ron was a big Ron was a big um, uh, a big guy in your life as far as, uh, as as far as refereeing was concerned. But you've already touched on it. You, you also worked with with Rich Mitchell and Rich. Look where that Rich. guy is. Oh, Rich doesn't mess around because yeah. I love lot. Ron would tell you in a very nice way. Yeah. Do you really think you should have made that call like that? And put yeah. it in a way that's really nice. And you think, mm, they make you think about it. <laughs> Where Rich is quite direct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've been on the wrong end of that a couple of times, uh, mate. It's fine. Really, yeah, yeah. Andy? Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think one of them, where Rich turned around to me, and I, I hope I hope he doesn't mind me saying it. I, I made a decision. He, he looked down at my card, looked at me, and he went, what the fuck is that? And I was like... <laughs> Yeah, cheers, Rich. Thanks, thanks, uh, th- th- thanks a lot. So, uh, yeah, but you no, mate, you do learn quickly with people like Rich because uh, he will tell you how it is there and then. And and there's two ways you can take that. Most new refs take it the wrong way. I mean, yeah. the way I've always took it is criticism. It's not really criticism. It's giving you advice, really. It's, it's it's look, Andy, you did this, but you know you should really think about that. And if you if you there's two ways you can take it. You say, all right, yeah, okay. I'll take that on board and actually take it on board. The next time you get in that situation, look at it a bit different. Yeah. Um, or you can say, screw you. Actually, I'll keep the PG. Screw you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't worry about um, PG. It's I, fine. Yeah. yeah. Screw you. Screw you. I know best, you know. And if you're yeah. one of the people that just think, screw you, I know best. Just, I mean, even now, after eight years of refereeing, I wouldn't say screw you to anybody. Yeah. Um, I would be like, all right, okay, I'll go away. Look, I might even go back and watch the fight. Yeah, Afterwards, yeah. and say, okay, I'll have a look at that and see what I did. Oh, okay, yeah, maybe I jumped in a bit early. Well, maybe, you know, or maybe I could have did a slightly different. Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's things you can pick up from it. I think you've got to be constantly looking at yourself and thinking if you want to ever get anywhere near the level of the worldwide stage, you've got yeah. to have that kind of approach. Otherwise, you're never going to improve. You're never going to get better. You're just going to be stuck doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and the well, good thing with Rich as well is, like, so even though he'd go, what are you doing? Or he'd be very blunt with what he's told you. Yeah. If if you then ask him afterwards, right, so Rich, in that situation, I know, I know I did something wrong. Can you explain to me what I did wrong? That guy can break down 
amazingly what maybe not what you should have done but what you could have done differently well in that scenario you could have done x y and z or a b and c and you would have had this different outcome and then you sit there and you realize that he's not he's it's his demeanor it's the way that he he says it is very direct but when you then break in full exactly why he said that what he yeah. means, what he potentially should have done, and what the different outcome most likely would have been if he'd done it that way. Yeah. Um, and that's gold dust. If you're trying to learn to be a referee, or you or you, or you want to try and make it to the next level, that's the kind of advice you need from senior yeah. guys who have been there, done it, seen it, and know it inside out. Exactly. Um, exactly. About, you can't you can't really buy that kind of advice. So if anyone does ever try and give you advice, who's a bit more experienced referee than you. Always take it. Yeah. Even if you don't agree with it, take it, listen to it, go peer, review it, and make a decision. And if, if you've, potentially it is something you could improve, then improve it. And that's the yeah. only way of getting better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've, met, we're, I've been lucky to work with quite a lot of good referees. Obviously, never with Mark or Leon or anyone like from the UFC, but obviously Rich Mitchell, David Swan was an amazing referee. Dave Swan was brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Absolutely fantastic referee. Um, you saw calm. And he knew as soon as something happened, he knew and he knew exactly how it had happened, what he's going to do. He was so uh, uh, called calculated in terms of how he would do it. Yeah. All right, this has happened. I've got to do this, this, that, and that. It'll mm-hmm. just happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the big lights, whatever. He was always the same. It didn't matter where he was. He was a, it was a shame. It was a lost MMA when he decided to uh, hang up his uh, uh, refereeing jersey. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I was quite lucky to be on one of the last shows he uh, refereed on, which was the uh, Fight Star in uh, London. Oh, was that back. really his last show? It was the last one I saw. I worked with him. I think it was just like, I think he was already pretty much retired there. I sort of convinced him to go because yeah. I knew he lived just around the corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I said, Look, I'm going to be at this show. There's other people going to be there. We can grab a bite to eat and all that kind of side stuff. And I eventually convinced him because it was just around yeah. his corner. Yeah, yeah, because um, that, um, that was the first Fight Star show in London, um, right. and um, yeah, yeah, that was that was um, that was in two thousand six, yeah, December two thousand and sixteen, I think that was, because we all, all I can remember is is um, uh, obviously you were there, I was there, um, Dave was there, I think was Sledgy there? I can't remember if Sledgy no. was there. No, um, no. Ben was there. Ben Farrelly. Um, That's right. Yeah, I think I think maybe even like Dave Leatherby might have been there as a as a commentator. I think possibly, um, possibly. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think that was his last show that I saw him do anyway. I mean, I mean correct. I yeah. might get corrected, but I think he did uh, the one in Redden with me, which was uh, the X three uh, uh, FX three, wasn't it? FX three yeah. in Redden. Yeah. Um, then he didn't do one for a while after that. Then he did. The, oh no, sorry, uh, it was X three. I, I apologise, mate. It was X three. Used to be yeah. FX, didn't it? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Back in the day, yeah. Um, but yeah, then the last two shows I worked with them on, and I think they were in the same year. I think it's because I'd only seen him a couple of months earlier, and mm. I knew he lived down there. I just gave him a ring and asked him if he would do it. He came down and did it, and but, yeah, it was fortunate yeah, yeah. to be his last. Unfortunately, it was the last one, but one of the best referees in the country at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Then obviously Dan Morvedi. Yeah. Um, Ronin obviously introduced us to Dan and Sam. Yeah, yeah. quite a few shows with them. Um, Dan invited us across to do some shows with them when uh, he was doing Fury MMA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When he was doing a bit of promoting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, he was matchmaker, promoter, stroke ref. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was doing it all. 
Um, but he reached out on uh, Facebook because so I've seen you doing some refereeing with Ron. Yeah. Things tend to work in the MMA thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just see you doing stuff, and then if they think they need some hand, hand they'll, they'll reach out. Um, and he offered us to come down and work with them. But again, same thing, world class referee. Yeah. And um, knowledge of mount, mountain of knowledge in terms of everything to do with MMA. Um, again, another person for you to work under and just watch what they do and how they do it and what the procedures they go through. It's every ref slightly different how they do it. Yeah. So if you get to work with multiple different ones who are um, got slightly different ways and how to always get the same outcome, the same rules, all that kind of side of stuff, they've just got slightly different ways of doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, mountain of knowledge. Um, I learned a lot from Dan uh, over the years. Um, it's Fury uh, where I read yeah. from. Um, the same for me, actually, the first Fury I went to, I did the cage door. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, literally, yeah. I literally just did the cage door. And uh, then after that, I think he wanted to take the other back seat because he was doing more of the promoting in that yeah. aspect of it. Um, so I would jump in and just help out doing a bit of refereeing with uh, Bomber um, and Sam. Again, he's yeah. another really good referee. Um, I think we'll be spoiled in the UK for referees, really. Um, when you look around the landscape, and, and we're yeah. only talking about the southeast as well. This is so just the all south, of these, yeah. All these really, really good referees that we've got, uh, and mm. there, and we're only talking about the southeast. We, we, yeah. We've got. I know we've had a few that we've worked on um, uh, from the Emma perspective that I've, I've worked with on that. So we've got we've got Nathan, we've got Jamie, and we've got uh, got Harry as well. So there's some really good referees that are, that are still up and coming. And there's going to be beyond that. We've got the guys in in the Midlands that are coming through. We've got the guys up north in the northeast and the northwest. And we haven't even touched on any of the officials that are in that are in Wales or Scotland as well, or or even a, uh, even across in, a, in in Ireland. So there's I think in the UK and Ireland we're really we're really lucky with the amount of officials that are coming through with um, referees and judges. Uh, and it's, it's, yeah, I think it's a good time. It's, it's not like the old days, the old wild west when, when we first started Andy, but it's, it's definitely, they're coming into Sometimes. a little bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and, and, and the wild west that we were in was, yeah. was nothing compared to the wild west when the likes of Mark and, and, oh, no. and, and Leon yeah. and, and those sort yeah. of guys started. So it's, um, and, 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 and we mentioned it. Uh, we mentioned it before we we started recording. The mm. likes of Big John and people like yeah. that. It just those guys paved the way for us uh, moving moving forward and into into where we are now. So we've reached around around the 2015 sort of mark there, Andy, with 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 your shock and awe, and and mm. obviously Ron take it. I think Ron took a back step. I want to say it was around 2016 that Ron started taking a back step. I would have said about that, yeah, about yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, point, yeah. Sorry, mate, go on. Yeah, so it was about that time, obviously, I started getting a bit more involved in terms of uh, having a bit more responsibility in terms of when I was at shows, um, I start moving up rather than just do the amateur fights. I'd get put more on the main cards, do more professional fights. Um, and obviously, I had other shows that would come on board there where they just asked me to go and then start providing some officials myself, you know, um, yeah. putting some teams together um, for judging. I've worked on yeah. a, a fair few shows with yourself in terms of when you come down and do some judging with us. Yeah. Um, and then trying to educate promoters. <laughs> when you yeah. start now, I mean, but at the level I'm at um, in grassroots and regional shows, um, a lot of the time it's regional uh, gym trying to set up a show, 
Um, yeah. They're trying to have some, a foundation for get their fighters out so they can fight and get some experience to build up to get onto the bigger, larger shows like the shopping shows, the bigger regional yeah. shows, and eventually onto Cage Warriors and move yeah. through, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but a lot of them have never done it before. They've got no experience and all that kind of stuff. So it's trying to educate them and not just in terms of the rules and the fighter safety and everything that's going on with the cage and everything else that needs to go on. And it's also the back end and the operational side. They're, they're trying to keep them right on that side. Yeah. Um, but again, it takes time to get through to them to try and get them to do what they need to do uh, to get yeah. up to the kind of standard they need to be at uh, for it to be a really good regional show. That yeah. Fighters will want to go to. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if any if anybody was to start up today, Andy, mm-hmm. and um, they were to ask your advice on what they should do to get to that minimum base level, what what would you what would you really say to them as a as a, as a promoter to to really get them up to the base level of where they need to be? Is there, is there any sort of advice you need to say to them? Yeah. I mean, obviously, they need to obviously the right fight to see if you could be in this. We, we, you need quite experienced referees, two referees, yeah. not one referee doing 24 fights by themselves. Oh, Jesus Christ. We've, we've been in that <laughs> scenario before. Yeah. Oh, have. I've been in it a few times. <laughs> yeah. Um, experienced judges, so the decision's going right. Um, the right fight area. In terms yeah. of the regulations, um, should really have the fight area surrounded by uh, some sort of barrier, so fans and drunk fans on all over officials and coaches. Yeah. Um, obviously, at the back end, in terms of the commission, they should have a commission. If they haven't got a commission, yeah. they should ask the referees because the referees, like us, we all know each other. We all know people who can come and do it, who are experienced and know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and have a baseline of uh, standards. I mean, uh, I know you've been working with Emma in terms yeah. of obviously the, uh, the the regulatory side of things, which is fantastic. Uh, obviously, I was initially involved with uh, the UK MEF. Yeah. Disbanded. Yeah. It's replaced with Emma now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Less said about that, the better. I, I don't yeah. get into the political yeah. side, Andy. So let's not let's yeah. not get into them. But obviously, yeah. Emma's here now, and obviously, it's got yeah. the right people in there, like Mark and all like Leon, yeah. Rich, yourself, uh, Dan, and everybody. So it's run really well. Um, but yeah, it's all about fighter safety, and then the main thing is fighter safety. Is it going to be uh, safe for the fight? The right medics. There should be a doctor there um, from the uh, General Medical Council. Um, but experienced fight medics as well, uh, not just yeah. a medic with a uh, St. John ambulance badge. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when yeah. it's actually worked a fight show before, it knows what they're doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've been to shows sometimes where the medics have been there and one of them can't even stand up. I, I remember. They've got arthritis in the knees, you can barely get <laughs> off the bloody stool. I, I remember a show where, so luckily enough, it was a killer cam. Me and you was working on, I think it might have been the first one, Darren Stewart, Annihilated, annihilated. Was it Carl? Carl Kingslow, wasn't it? Carl Kingslow, and, uh, yeah. I and um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, it was the main event, wasn't it? And and yeah. all I remember seeing is is the doctor got up and started coming into the coming into the cage. One of the medics got up and started coming into the cage, and then the the third doc, uh, medic, it must have been, um, they got up, tripped on their way into the cage, stood there, and then went oh my God, there's so much blood. And the other two have looked up and just shooed them back out the cage again. Just just, just go outside. And that's, yeah. yeah I remember that, that uh, if, you, if you watch that video back, um, just as he's, he's getting up, as he throws the knee, yeah. as, as the knee connects, he's just 
became off grounded. It was by a couple of inches. It was, it was yeah. uh, just just legal. Um, and if you if you watch the video of that, while I'm coming around at the side, you'll see when he hits the knee, you'll see my head go off to the left. Yeah. That was that was me watching his gum shield come out of his mouth, yeah. and fly off the side oh. of the cage, and uh, into the crowd. Um, it was a spectacular knockout. Um, but yeah. yeah, he was out. He was out. Out. He was out for about ten minutes. He was. Yeah, he, he, was he, he wasn't Popus Mentis for a while. No, and all I remember there was um, there was some young kids, and they were they were laughing and pointing and laughing and pointing and trying to take pictures of Carl like well, unconscious and. As I've turned around to try and say to him, give it a rest. Absolutely there was um, yeah. there was some people in jean jackets that have the sleeves cut off, Andy, with with uh, with with patches on the back of them. Let's uh, <laughs> maybe or may or may not ride motorcycles in their spare time, and um, he gave them a damn good telling to about this isn't fun. This isn't funny. Mm. You stop taking the mickey out of him for getting knocked out and and those kids yeah. soon realized that yeah we it's there for entertainment but it's real life it's the, that carl oh. still had to get up but he still had oh, yeah. to still had to provide for his family and, and it was a vicious it was a vicious knock it was perfectly legal it was a yeah. legal move it was all perfectly fine within the fight um, yeah, but yeah. it was it was a vicious knockout yeah um, yeah yeah he, definitely he wasn't right for a while um it took him a while to even get to his feet um, yeah. come round. Um, I mean, the medics did do a good job, and when they were in there, yeah, and, and that's um, it. The two that were in there were brilliant, but yeah. it was it was that third one you could tell that, and that's and that's the thing maybe for for promoters to take away from it is you may have a doctor, you may have a paramedic, but the other people that are there as well, you you've got to have you've got to have people that are experienced in this field. And, and we work, we work quite a lot with, with Michaela at fight medics and, and yeah. the people that she chooses. And, and there are, I'm going to give it the spiel of, there are plenty of other fight medics available out there that you can choose from, but, yeah. but Michaela's team at fight medics, amazing. Absolute. Every single time I see that, that fight medics t-shirt on somebody that's there. I know Michaela's she's vetted them. She's made sure that the right people yeah. And they're going to be good as gold. They're absolutely going to be. I, I never, every time I turn up and one of her team are there, I always know it's going to, we've got no worries with these guys. They know what they're doing. And and that's, yeah. and, and that'll be the same as, as other people. There'll be referees that, that people walk in, they go, oh, thank God that person's refereeing my fight. Thank God. Like to say, Andy, that they look at me and go, oh, thank, <laughs> thank, thank, <laughs> thank God that guy is, is judging my fight or, or, or whatever it may be. It, it's, yeah, sometimes this can be the the deciding factor for, for, <laughs> for people. Um, but yeah, but yeah, no, mate, yeah, but yeah. I mean, Bashana and the team. I mean, like I said, these are the fight yeah. medics out there. I've, met, I've worked with some really good ones up in the north when I've been working yeah. up in Stoke and stuff like that with Ross Point and Shaw. Uh, there is some other medical teams around that are really good. Obviously, in the London area, um, she's obviously worked for a lot, lot of the large promotions for a reason. Yeah, um, because yeah, they are yeah. professional. They know what they're doing. They're in there quick. They've got kit to get the fighters out the cage if they need to get them out the cage. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know they're in good hands when she's there. I mean, I know you've got to have a doctor there. I mean, nine times out of ten, um, the doctor that's there might be a GP from the local surgery. Yeah. Um, and that's fine. He's a member of the medical board. No yeah. problem. As long as you've got decent medics there as well, um, you're all good, you know. Um, I mean, most of the doctors aren't much help. 
Yeah. <laughs> and people get knocked out or to lose the teeth or whatever, whatever yeah. happens in yeah, the fight, yeah. you know. It's the medics that are really important. Yeah. But you've Generally got to the legally, paramedics le- as well. Legally, well. legally you need the doctor there, you know. Yeah. Um, if anything does go tits up and it gets to the court, you need to have that doctor there. Um, yeah. It's really yeah, important. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so moving on from that then, Andy, look, that, that was just as we was at that point, I just wanted to shoehorn it in. But um so yeah, we're, we're around the 2015-2016 time. Obviously, Ron's now moved on. Um, you, you, you're taking the step up to, to second referee at, at Shock and Awe. Um, and at this point as well, Rich is starting to, to work on the bigger shows. So that yeah. even, even on somewhere like, like you've got your own shows that you're working on, Rich is starting to move up to some of the bigger shows as well. So you're even, you, you've within a very short period, you've gone from the third ref on, on, let's be honest, what was the biggest or what is the biggest show on the South Coast? It's, it's the, one of the biggest regional shows we've got in the South at all. One of the best yeah. run shows I've ever been on as well. Consistently mm-hmm. best run shows. Um and soon you're taking that step up to, to senior official as well on the show. And it's a very short period between Ron moving on, was, Rich yeah, it was with, having... It was, a, it was within a two or three shows, something like yeah. that. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, it was quite, within uh, about a year, a year, 18 months. Yeah, of, it was within two or three shows. I mean, shot and all at the time, we're doing three or four shows a year at that point. Yeah. Something yeah, like yeah. that. Uh, so it was within two or three shows. Obviously, Richard got offers from UFC and doing other yeah. things. Uh, obviously, it happens. People move up the ladder. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is a big step, jumping from the third referee to then doing the main card, doing the main yeah. fights, professional fights, all under the light. It's different. The way I've t- tended to deal with it, and I still deal with it now, is I treat them all exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter if it's the last fight of the card or it's the first fight of the card. They all get treated exactly the same because the rules... But the rules do change slightly for the amateurs, obviously, because there's some things they can't do. Um, but the general other rules, the procedures, all that kind of stuff are exactly the same. Mm-hmm. So if you treat every fight exactly the same, whether it's an amateur fight, or a pro fight, or a pro main card title fight, if you treat them all exactly the same, um, you can't really go wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. It takes the tension off it a bit if you think about it in that way. Um, you think, well, I know what I'm doing. I know, understand the rules, understand the procedures. I've just got to be aware, focused, and just concentrate on what's happening directly in front of us. Yeah. Um, one thing you learn with experience as refereeing is getting the right position is yeah. really yeah. important. <laughs> <laughs> so you can actually see what's going on. Yeah. Um, and you don't miss anything. Obviously, you start form buying the fighters, you start getting your yeah, line of sight uh, distracted, yeah. and that's not good. So you do have to move around a bit. Um, some people say you should move on a bit less and stand further away. Again, this is how different referees are slightly different. You do get the ones that sit a bit in closer, or more do K1 and stuff as well in boxing. They get yeah. a bit closer and they'll, they'll bounce around. And then you also you get uh, the more MMA referees who will be a bit more near the cage side. Just make sure yeah. you've got the good angles so they can see what's going on. You can see groin shots depending on which stance they're in. You won't yeah. want to get different sides to see groin yeah, shots, yeah. stuff like that. Um, but it's just having the that's where you get the experience, you know, over years and years and years of yeah. uh, doing it. You understand where the angles are you need to be. You're on the ground doing the jiu-jitsu. Um, when I stopped doing MMA, because of the other shoulder went eventually, yeah. um, I started doing jiu-jitsu full-time because it was easier on my shoulders mm-hmm. uh, with Carlson Gracie's. Um, a purple belt with Carlson Gracie's. Um, but then understand the positions. So when yeah. you're on the ground, you understand the positions, how they go on. If it's on, um, and then if it's on, is the fight all right? 
Yeah. <laughs> it's all these different angles. Um, sometimes you can get focused into one part of it where you need to really see the entire thing. Uh, yeah. You might leg go limp. It might be him tapping. It might be yeah. his face. Um, you can see all these different things. So you have to get the right position that you can see it all and then make an assessment on all of it. Because if you get a bit too focused on one area, you might not see something else. Um, so positioning is really important as a referee. And I've, I've also heard you say a few times, Andy, in rules talks and, and anything else, you, you can tell you're experienced enough to tell the difference between a war cry and a scream for help. So it's sometimes it's it's just a reaction thing where someone, I've got to get out of this and they've got their war cry or when like something really, really, <laughs> yeah, something really bloody hurts and, and I've got yeah. a... Uh, and and uh, yeah, it's it's the cry. But that's for help really important. I mean, we, we see that in the rules talk really for the amateurs. Yeah. Uh, obviously, amateurs aren't professional fighters. We're not expecting if they get locked in an armbar to wait till it breaks. Um, mm-hmm. If they're in an armbar like that, uh, they're not getting paid really. Uh, they probably got school or work the next day or college yeah. or uni or whatever, um, or the next couple of days. So you don't really want them getting too injured if possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, obviously yeah. you'll give them a fighting chance and if you understand the submissions and how they go on you can sort of see when it's going to go yeah. Um, but yeah you've got to obviously if you do hear them squeal out in pain then through an amateur just stop the fight yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and if, if they're going oh, I'm going to get out of this and they're turning the arm the right way and they're doing the right things or they're moving the right way to get out of it and that's different you can see that as a whole picture Yeah, you can see they're doing the right thing to get out of that position um, but if they're not doing the right thing and they're just lying there and the guy's cranking on his arm and he starts squealing, he hasn't tapped, amateurs just stop the fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's no point in getting hurt. Obviously, slightly different if it's professional. Yeah. Because you're not going to stop the fight if they haven't tapped or submitted. Um, then you're looking at something slightly different. You're looking for damage to the arm. Yeah. Is, is it popped? Is it broke? Um, again, uh, I was talking to Adam, one of our judges on the way back from the show the other week. Um, he says he's standing judging at the side of the cage and sometimes when some of the professionals get into certain situations, he's sitting cringing and like, yeah. oh, what's with the referee? We're right on it, just watching. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can't cringe. We've just got to watch and make sure obviously we can see if anything does pop in there, you know? Because uh, yeah. so, that's obviously... You, you don't want to end up as a meme, Andy, when when you're... Oh, you're, 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 you're I've got a few. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the world scene. Uh, yeah. Just in the south, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, l- we lunge position. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you dive across, matey, yeah, your shoulder barged him out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's really important to understand the positions. I mean, it's very important if you're going to be an MMA referee is to understand jujitsu, um, to understand the striking element of it as well. So that's when the fighting again after that, are they finished? Are they mm-hmm. still in the fight? Are they showing you they're still in the fight? If you've yeah. got no experience in sparring or fighting, then how can you make that judgment on how they are? You know, because you've never been in that situation. You, you, could, you can see what he's trying to do. He might be countering, he might be moving, mm-hmm. right, moving back and moving out the way. He's showing you still in the fight, you know, or on the ground. He's bucking, he's shrimping, he's doing certain things. And um, um, what if other things I see at junior referees when they're coming through is if, the, if, they're, on the, if they're in the jiu jitsu positions on the ground, um, are they just are they stolen, or is it, or is, it or is the person on his back actually want to be on his back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. The person who's on his back, it might look like they're stolen, but he might be trying to get a rear tie guard. Yeah, 
yeah, well, yeah. you think you stole and, and you stop them, you start them up when he might have waited three or four minutes to get in that position to try and get his high guard, to try and throw some sort of submission up. And you've just took that away from him by standing him up when he wants to be in that position, you know? Yeah. Um, so little things like that go through your mind. Is he doing anything on his back or is he just hugging him? Is he just holding him? Um, is it stalling or is he actually trying to do th- something with jiu-jitsu? Is he moving? Yeah. What's he doing, you know? Uh, all these things are going through your mind while you're watching the fight to place in front of you. Because obviously what you don't want to do is get too involved as a referee if you don't have yeah. to. You don't really want to be involved. A perfect fight is when we're not involved at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. They just know what they're doing in the crack on. Which, uh, you get more from the professionals, but obviously with the amateurs, um, it's a bit more wild and rugged because they're a bit less experienced. Yeah, and, and yeah, yeah. Not as, uh, Especially the first timers when they first come in as well. You, you've you've got you've got people that are hyper nervous, like they yeah. they've not experienced this before. They're coming in, they're they're all over the place with with what they're doing and um, trying to. You're trying to, without assure, without patting them on the head and saying everything's going to be all right. You're trying to assure them, and trying to point them in the right direction of what they're doing as well. So that's right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but no, obviously, once I start to get to a bit higher level in the shores, um, uh, I needed to start looking at trying to bring a second referee in for me because I don't yeah. want to turn up to shores and have to ref uh, twenty odd fights by myself. Um, yeah. Not at this age, anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, it's really difficult actually trying to get, uh, you'd think everyone um, would be desperately trying to be a referee. You always hear people wanting to be a referee. Um, and I have had a few over the years where they've came and they've done it maybe for six months, a year, or they've done it for uh, Steve when Steve was refereeing yeah. with us. He did it for a couple of years. He was, Steve was getting to a reasonable level of uh, refereeing. Yeah. Um, then other commitments come along. Yeah. Uh, different jobs, the life stages slightly. They can't commit to weekends anymore. Um, I think that's what the new, a lot of new referees, when they're coming in, when they're doing the training or they're trying to get the experience, struggle with that it yeah. is a big commitment. Yeah. Um, yeah you yeah. can't just suddenly turn to a show and say, I'm, I can't come that weekend because it's my daughter's birthday. Yeah. Because they'll not book you for the next one. Yeah, yeah. Somebody yeah, else will come in and then... Someone and else will it. take that position, yeah. Um, yeah. You've got to be able to commit yourself, confirm the dates. I've missed a few of my daughter's birthdays, um, yeah. going to shows, um, and I've just celebrated the birthday the next day. Yeah. And had a family yeah. party the next day instead. Um, I mean, eight years now, I've never missed a show. Um, yeah. Some shows I've been to, I've been really ill. Yeah, some, <laughs> some shows like, you might have wanted to miss as well, but you might have wanted to miss, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, but you obviously you don't want to let the fighters down, you don't want to let yeah. the motor down. Uh, so you rock up and do what you got to do, you know. Um, but yeah, it's the commitment we tell, I tend to find is why people struggle because they do have to give a lot, and then you've got to have a missus who understands that you do yeah. it, it's a hobby, <laughs> yeah, you're not getting yeah, a lot yeah. of money, but you've got to commit them weekends to doing it. Um, and over the, the last few years, um, it's been a bit harder for me because obviously I got divorced. I've got full yeah. custody of my kids now. So again, trying to juggle that around with doing shows uh, can be yeah. difficult. But um, with the pandemic, and that hasn't been too bad, really, regionally, because yeah. most of the regional shows have been shut for the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we've only really started. I've touched on this on a couple of shows previously, but for me, uh, I did one show with you, I think, in September last year. Um, there was a couple of shows before that, but I was supposed to be moving house, so I couldn't do it because I didn't want to. 
I didn't want to let anybody down last minute. So I, I did it to yourself as well, Andy. I was saying, look, I can't, I can't commit to these because I may or may not be moving house. And, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to commit to a show. And then the week before, because you only get a week's notice when you're, when you're moving yeah, house. You know, uh, you know, I know you're a good judge. And I'll be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a good judge, terrible judge of character, but yeah, really good judge. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's um yeah. So I, I did, me personally, I didn't want to let people down. So when the shows were coming up, I, I was I probably turned down I probably turned down more shows than I did last year throughout the mm. like, throughout the latter part of the pandemic, um, just because I didn't want to let anybody down. So I was just saying from the get set, I, I'm not available, and and just just mm. took myself off the books. Um, but it, it's yeah, we've had a we had a busy end to the year and. It's really, really busy start to this year. So everything, and I think we're quite lucky as well. I was, I was out, um, I was out with uh, at KSW with um, with Nick, a German um, uh, official, and he was talking to me about how the fact that their their shows haven't really kicked off yet because they're still not allowed fans at sporting events. Uh, I think it's, I think it's April the fourth. He said, or something around that sort of time is is when they're allowed to start having um uh, uh spectators back at shows so they've missed the the real start of the the season so to speak of of mma because shows don't... a bit behind, bit behind yeah. the uk obviously with everything that's gone over, over the last two yeah. years um obviously they've uh we're a bit ahead if you like of yeah. the curve uh, yeah. than they are in terms of where we are really yeah um yeah, yeah. i'm sure once the start the floodgates will open on the tip yeah. seems to be what's happened in the UK. Uh, yeah. Events are on. Boop, 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 boop. Yeah, yeah. Week after week after week after week. It's uh, yeah. I was I was looking at my diary, and I think I'm. I think from two weeks ago until maybe the end of April, I'm I'm not booked up solid. I've got one or two weekends free. But the majority of it is 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 busy, busy, busy. So we're yeah. um yeah, we're we're keeping on keeping on. And then there's more stuff coming through as well for, for people. So it's oh, yeah. So <laughs> we're we're getting there, mate. We're getting there. So uh yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so really and truly, Andy, for you, obviously eight years into it now, you you you're you're starting to realize a lot what goes on into being it you, you're you're a more accomplished referee than you are there's still stuff to learn as you've as you've openly admitted there's still stuff to learn yeah. there's still stuff that you're going to see um and and yeah so what really what are the next steps for you then Andy as, as far as a referee have, have you got and, and I say this to to everybody that comes on the show if you've got anything that you want to throw out there as as far as what your goals are for 2022 um what your throw out there into the ether about where you want to be or what you want to do moving forward. Is there anything that you want to put out into the, uh, I'm, I'm not a religious man, but if there's anything you want to put out into the universe and say, look, this is, this is what I'm looking for. This is where I want to be. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's down to you, mate. What, what over to you on that? Yeah, obviously I've been on the regional circuit for a while now. Um, mm-hmm. Learn me, get me stripes, if you like. Yeah. Um, I would like to possibly look at doing possibly some commissioning on some of yeah. the larger shows. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's a good way to start in terms of, obviously, the higher up the level you get, a bit more into it in terms of complexity and exactly what yeah. happens and a bit more professional. 
Um, I think that's a good way for me to maybe take the next step is just to keep doing what I'm doing regionally, uh, yeah. but possibly get some sort of commission work on a slightly larger show where I can learn more and get more educated. I mean, obviously, because some of the referees now have moved up to that higher level that I used to learn from. Um, it's obviously I'm out on my own a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's learning from me, and I'm not learning. I'm just learning myself while I'm in there, you know. So it would be nice yeah. to get a bit more um, education from people that have been there and done it and got a lot more experience than I have. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that I can progress more in terms of my knowledge of what to do, what the best things to do are, and procedures and all that kind of side of stuff. Yeah. Um, I like to be around people that are obviously in love with the sport, you know. I mean, yeah. sometimes out on the road, um, it can be a lonely place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it can be a really lonely place and it can be long and it's stretched out and you're doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. Um, then I would go to a Mark Goddard's training course. I've done three now, I think it is. Yeah. Um, and you meet someone like uh, uh, like uh, Mark, who's just yeah. in love with the sport. He's enthusiastic. You meet him, you come out with it. Yes, yes. I'm yeah. going to do this. <laughs> and you keep that going on and it keeps you going and going and going. Um, being around people like that. So, yeah, I would like to get a bit more experience in terms of back-end commission on slightly larger shows just to understand it, how it runs a bit better from a, a higher level. Yeah. And we learn as well. So I've, I've said I've said a few times to, to quite a lot of people that I've, that I've been working with that, that for me, since I've been working with higher-level people, um, I've moved forward quite a lot. I feel that I've progressed a, a hell of a lot in the last maybe three years, three and a half years, something like that, just from the fact that being around, being, um, I think it helped a lot as well, 2018 and 2019. Um, we were, I think we were both on Mark Goddard, Mark Goddard courses on, in, in both years. So um, I did, did you come to the IMF one in 2019? In London, South London. No. No. Okay. Yeah. So I, I did. The last the, one I did was the one you organised over yeah. in um, Bracknell. Uh, Bracknell. Yeah. 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 So I did the one in Bracknell. In oh, I sat on the course. Obviously organised it. Sat on the course um, in Bracknell, and then I did the uh, the IMAF course as well in 2019, and it just and from that point onwards, I'd started working on slightly bigger shows. Started working with people who were who were um, more experienced than me, I started tapping into that knowledge base as well. And it's surprising how, how fast you put, you know, as well as I do, Andy, in, in your professional career as well, outside of yeah. MMA, you start tapping into people with the right mindset and the right, the right attitude. You yeah. start to progress and, and it's, I, I can speak to, to two or three UFC uh, uh, level judges now and I, I can speak to them and I can ask them their opinion what do you think of this what do you think of that and it's it's really really good to 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 be able to to speak to those people and learn from those people and I've realized that I am now as you are Andy as you're yeah. now the, the 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 head referee on a, on a lot of the shows that you work on I've got people that will come and ask me questions and mm. I've learned a lot more, not only from speaking to the people that, that I would say are above me in the pecking order as, as far as uh, judges are concerned, but speaking to the people that are, that are newer to the scene um, and working with those guys and they're asking me questions and I'm having to explain 
the way that Rich did for you, the way that Ron yeah. did for you, um, the way that Dave did for you and, and Dan and Sam and whoever else, yeah. that's what I'm now doing for other people. And I can actually, it, it broadens my horizon of, I'm having to break it down now to, to finite, find details of why you would do that. And, yeah. and, and something as simple as that submission, yes, I, like from a judge's point of view, I didn't score that or, or I didn't take that submission attempt into account as much as I did a different aspect, maybe a striking piece or a different submission attempt, because it never really went anywhere past the first phase. It was in the first phase of the submission, but it never went any further than that. So that was, to, yeah. And, yeah. and that was like the guy's thrown a, thrown a jab or thrown a big right hand or, or big left hand, depending on what a, a big rear handed shot or a big, a big front handed hook. And it either got blocked or it missed. Yes. They've thrown it out there, but it hasn't made any impact. It hasn't impacted the, their opponents. So you don't necessarily score it unless nothing else happened and you've worked your way down the criteria as far as, far as we're concerned. So, yeah, I, I agree with you, but moving, getting to where you are and moving on to the next level and, and starting to work with people who you can learn from again is, is definitely where you need to where if, if that's where you're setting your sights but that's this yeah. oh, with, without a doubt Brilliant. yeah i mean um i was fortunate when i was third referee in a lot of these shows to work the likes of dan uh, uh, rich and david yeah. swan and ron and all these others um yeah, yeah. and it's amazing how much you learn and you enjoy learning because they're yeah. nice to be around as well you know yeah 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 and it means when you are doing the regional circuit you've got something to look forward to as well with like-minded people to yeah. uh, interact with they were sort of slightly above you uh, but yeah you can interact with them you know um yeah, whereas yeah. Uh, with the people you're teaching might not know what you're talking about or yeah um i won't have the same understands of the rules of you but i'm doing the same thing i'm passing it down to them i'm trying to make them enthused about coming to shows and getting involved yeah. um so they can progress as well you know um i think obviously it's the kids of guys, today andy that's what it is it's the kids of today they just don't understand no no mo mobile phones <laughs> i blame mobile phones for absolutely yeah. everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 especially runners yeah. Oh. Runners, runners with mobile phones are my my hate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look over and see a runner with any kind of mobile phone, and I'm like, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the, Get them out. Yeah, that's um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The 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 connected age is definitely is is definitely something that could, has got a lot to answer for. So not just in MMA, in in everyday life. So it's. Uh, I'm very yeah. glad we didn't have them when we were kids. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't have recording devices when we were kids, Andy. That's what That's... I mean, the cameras. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I may uh, may not be in this position now if I if we did. That's for sure. So, uh, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But um. But no, mate, that's that's brilliant to hear, Andy. Obviously, we've worked together for quite a, for for a good number of years now on on various shows. Um, and yeah, I'm glad you still got the passion for it. And congratulations, by the way, of everything you're getting uh, to achieve at the minute with Emma, and obviously when you're going on your travels abroad and all that kind of stuff. I couldn't have happened to a nice bloke. Hey, it's not. Um, it's. it's I was very there nice. shocking all. I was there shocking all when you got your cage for your uh, message, wasn't it? Mate, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. I've got goosebumps now, and you've you've just said that and <laughs> that text message, Ian. If you ever if you ever listen to this, Ian, I, I doubt you do, Ian. But, um, <laughs> I was like, I, I, 
we finished shock and all that night. So I got that text yeah. message. I've, I've said it a few times already. I, I got that text message, middle of the show, blah, 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 blah. Um, on that drive home, all I wanted to do was was phone my brother. So my, my brother, I, me and my brother, there's there's a good few years between us, but we're really close. All you know, I wanted to do was yeah, oh, mate, I want beeping the horn. Yeah, yeah, I'm, on, I'm going to Cage Warriors. Yeah. Um, all I wanted to do was find my brother. But by the time you leave a show like Shock and Awe, it's like 11 o'clock or, or, or half 11, depending on what time it's finished. And it's not just we've finished the show and going home. You, you, you have a quick chat with everybody. You do a debrief if need be. Um, by the time you get out of the bleeding venue as well, it's, it's that, that, that maze of, uh, of, of the Guild Hall to try and get out. Um, yeah, there was nobody that I could call. I think I got home, I don't know, let's say I got home at half 12, something like that, because it's only an hour up the road from me. Um, waking the wife up to tell her, and she, and, oh, babe, 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 I've got onto Cage Warriors. And she goes, what the fuck's Cage Warriors? And why have you woke me up? <laughs> That's exactly what my girlfriend was saying to me. If I mentioned any shows, <laughs> potentially, if I ever get on anywhere, I come back, so oh, such and such as guys on the show, she'd be like, Never yeah, watched MMA in her life. Doesn't know, have a clue about it. She wouldn't know a roundhouse from a sidekick or any of it. She wouldn't really yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't wouldn't know a roundhouse from a greenhouse. That's what you got to say yeah. to her. Yeah, <laughs> but it's but it's true. And, and all, all I can remember is I was so excited I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep, man. And and then um, and then yeah. And, and but it, look, it's it's an amazing honor, Andy. For me, for 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 little old me. Well from, from Surrey, thank you, buddy. Thank you. Yeah, I, I still get. Um, I was talking to Leon about this the other day, uh, imposter syndrome, and and I still feel at times that I've got imposter syndrome. I shouldn't be where I am, but it's, it's um, yeah, we, we'll see. Be confident we'll see. In your talent, my friend. Yeah, well still deserved. got levels to go though, Andy. Still, oh, yeah. that's the thing. Without still a doubt. Got... I mean, that's yeah. we've spoken about for the last hour. It's constantly yeah. saying you can always never know. You're always going to improve. You can always get better. Yeah. I mean, I've heard Mark say it a few times in his refereeing seminars. He says, even yeah. him, at the top, at the top, at the top, at the top. Yeah. Is learning. He's still fine coming across situations he wants to improve, and that's why he is where he is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And we're still like that, just honestly at a bit of a regional level. Yeah. Trying to find yeah, out yeah. where and all that kind of stuff. And you've took that step up, so you've went up to that next level now, and you're uploading, you're uploading more, yeah. you're uploading more. Um, right. World's your oyster, uh, my friend. Yeah, well, the likes of I speak to um, uh, I speak to Ben Cartledge on a on a relatively we're not busy mates. We, I don't yeah. phone him every day, but um, but I've spoke to him a few times, and it's um, to to get knowledge from somebody like that who's who's been there. He's 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 at the top level of definitely him and Dave Leatherby in 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 the UK at the absolute. Yeah, he used to be shopping, didn't he? Yeah, 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 yeah. Moved into commentary. Back in the and, day. Yeah. yeah, 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 and it's it's yeah. Speaking, being able to to tap into people like that is is amazing. It's really really good, and it's it's really humbling as well because speaking to those people and, and Clemens Clemens Werner as well. When I was out in Abu Dhabi, speaking to him, what a guy! The the guy just analyzes MMA as it's going through, and being able to speak to him. And realizing as well for me, Andy, realizing I'm on the same wavelength as him in 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 a lot of situations, on the same like wavelength, we, we're both seeing the same things. That's what helped me uh, really get my confidence up as as far as that I am making the right decisions. So so yeah, it's brilliant. 
It's brilliant. But look, Andy, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you and leave you for now, my mate. But um, <laughs> is there anybody you want to thank? Is there anybody, if, if you want to give out your socials or anything like that, it's, it's your platform now. Well, I'm on a, a Facebook if on um, Andy Nichols MMA. If you yeah. want to follow me Facebook page, I'm on the same tag for uh, Instagram. If you want to follow mm-hmm. us on there. Um, but um, yeah, thanks to everyone in the MMA community who I've met yeah. over the years. <laughs> you are all fantastic. I love you all. Um, yeah. And uh, forever learning. I'm looking forward yeah. to learning a bit more. Brilliant. Andy, thank you very much. And, uh, and I'll speak to you again soon, buddy. Take care, mate. You too. Bye. Cheers, mate. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. Andy's given us a great insight in his journey to date. I'm sure there's going to be loads more to talk about with him in the future. Next time, I'm going to be joined by a former UFC fighter, current head coach at Team Crossface MMA, and the man to bring the mother's milk choke to the UK MMA scene, David Lee.